Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father, and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. We recently lost our grandpa, Melvin Martin. He was uh, 91 years old. And I want to talk a little bit about some observations that we have about their life. Uh, Joseph Melvin Martin and Georgia May Blackburn, they were married on February 12, 1946. And so they were married for 73 years. His parents... Ed and Mandy were married for 67 years. Grandma's mom died young, so they didn't, she was about 14 or 15, I think, when she lost her mom, so they did not have a long marriage on that side. But needless to say, the family has quite a heritage of marriage, and not just marriage, but family. And I want to talk about that a little bit today because as we have been going through this the last few weeks as a family, and it's actually Carrie's grandma and grandpa, not mine, but it really is mine too, as well as Scott uh, and Jackie's. Uh, But grandma, one time I remember leaving the hospital telling grandma how much I loved her, and she said, well, I love you too, just like you're one of my own. That's the kind of lady that she is. Her heart is so full of the love of Jesus that she just loves everybody, and it's, it's, she has lived an amazing life. I want to, I, I just, this isn't a presentation, this is an introduction. I just want to show a few pictures, so I'm going to turn here myself. So that is a picture of them in their early years. I don't know if they were married in that picture or just dating, but that, that's, that's Melvin and Georgia May. If we could do the next slide. That's another picture of them in their early years. Next slide. That's them with their three sons. Uh, Jerry, Gary, my father-in-law, Carrie's dad, and Kenny, Scott's father, in the middle. So there they are with their three sons. If you go to the next slide. And there they are a few generations later with their three sons, their 12 grandchildren, they're 26 great-grandchildren, and they have actually one great-great-grandchild in the womb. So that's pretty amazing if you think about it. Next slide. This is Grandma and Grandpa three years ago at their 70th wedding anniversary. And we did something really special at this event. At the end, they sort of sat up on this little platform in a room with their kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, and we sort of had this Q&A session uh, where we just asked them questions, and somebody, thank the Lord, actually videotaped it, and it, I don't know, went on for 45 minutes to an hour or something like that, but you can imagine how much the family treasures that now. It was interesting, though. I want to make a comment. Halfway through... Uh, Kenna, 
I think it was, asked uh, Grandma and Grandpa if they went on a honeymoon. And Grandpa answered, real matter of fact, we're still on our honeymoon. And he meant it. He meant it. That's how he lived his life, and that's how he cherished his wife, Grandma. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about some of the observations and things that I've learned from observing their marriage and the way that it aligns with God's Word. Hopefully there may be a few things in there that can be a benefit to you today. Next slide. This, just to show how in tune the Lord has them, one another in their lives. So this was them a few, about a month ago, both in the nursing home together. And then one of the, the, the day they were in the nursing home, a few of us were there visiting. I'll give you the short version of the story. It's a little more complicated than that. But literally within 15, uh, at, at that point, they weren't in the same room. They were at opposite ends of the building, a long building. So one of them had no idea what was going on with the other. And Scott's dad, Kenny, was with Grandma. And Carrie's dad, Gary, was with Grandpa. And we were with Grandpa at that moment. And Kenny called and said, Grandma looked kind of serious. So Gary goes down there. I follow him down there. And lo and behold, Grandma wasn't doing very well. And they were saying, we've got to get, take her to the emergency room. So I thought it was pretty serious. So I went back to get Carrie and said, hey, you better go see your grandma. I'll sit with grandpa. And while Carrie and I are there, I think that's about the way it went down, they come in and say, hey, grandpa's potassium is seriously low. We're concerned about him. He needs to go to the emergency room. So literally, you know, these two had such unity in their lives and even unity really in their deaths, if you will, if you want to look at it that way. Grandma is still alive. But, but she's, she'll soon be with the Lord and soon be with Grandpa. So I wanted to share that with you. I think that's the last slide. Yeah. So we can shut that off. But I just wanted to talk about, again, lessons on family and marriage. What are a few things that I have learned from Grandma and Grandpa Martin? Uh, some of the scripture references, some of your note takers, some of the scripture references, if you want to write them down, I'll be in Psalm 127, perhaps Psalm 34, Luke chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and a little bit in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. So starting out with Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. That, by the way, has been one of my favorite scriptures ever since I became a dad. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, he will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. So the whole idea that, you know, family has one another's back, right? A couple things I, honestly, I, could, I, I originally listed out about 15 different things. 
that I had learned from them, but wanting to keep this in somewhat of a reasonable time frame, because honestly, I could talk about family, marriage, and grandma and grandpa probably in a four or five point sermon. So I, I, I tried to reduce it down to the, some of the ones that I thought were, were critical, but I, I, for those, especially the family members here, I don't want you all to think this is the only observations I have, but maybe what I would call some of the key observations that I have. So today I want to talk about love and the, what I call, consider the fulfillment of biblical love. I want to talk about wisdom and really the fruit of or the product of wisdom. I want to talk about understanding roles in marriage, interdependence versus independence. Because I think that's a big one with grandma and grandpa. I think there's a lot we can learn from there, even in the context of today's society, which is much different than really what they grew up in. I want to talk about communication, number four. What are some observations that I have about their communication? And what are some observations about biblical communication? And then I want to talk about, uh, for those of us who maybe don't have quite such the storybook scenario, what can we do to fix the problem? Or what can we do? Because the Bible says the mercies of the Lord are new every day. Amen? So you may be in a situation right now where maybe your marriage doesn't look like that one. My marriage doesn't look like that one. I consider that I have a wonderful marriage and a wonderful wife. But honestly, I think all of us kids and grandkids would say that we sort of pale in comparison to grandma and grandpa. Can you all agree with that? Give me a yes. <laughs> because we saw it. Lived through it. <clears throat> so I want to talk about that. And really just that's kind of how I want to wind it up. So number one, the fulfillment of biblical love. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not conceited. It does not act improperly. It is not selfish. It is not provoked. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It finds no joy in unrighteousness. It rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes in all things. Love, true love, never ends. I think that's a good place to stop and pause because we all observe this just tremendous, tremendous, tremendous love that grandma and grandpa had for one another. And if you think about all the things that I just read off, their actions, you know, love, real love produces a fruit, but real love, it, it, it comes out of actions that we take and life choices that we take. So love is patient. I can't tell you how patient grandpa always was with grandma and the other way around. I mean, they were literally, they were patient with one another. They were kind to one another. They esteemed one another. They held one another in high, 
high regard. I commented to Grandma uh, after Grandpa's funeral. I commented to her. I said, Grandma, I want you to know that I've sort of made it known to Carrie and my boys that I want one of my grandsons to be named Melvin after Grandpa. And sometimes right now, because Grandma's been battling with dementia, when you're having conversations with her, you're not sure what she's getting and what she's not. And she gives this pause and this little stare, and she answered Carrie and I back, and she said, there's not a finer man than him. And that is how she is. There is not a finer man than him. And to hear Grandpa in his last days, I remember I went to see Grandpa when he was still at the house. He was in a lot of pain. Carrie asked me to go pray for his back. That's what it was. I went to the house. Grandma was in the nursing home. I went there to pray with Grandpa, had my Bible. As soon as we talked about prayer, Grandpa starts to cry, which, y'all, Grandpa's like man's man. I mean man's man. Right, Scott? Builds houses, fights off bandits when he's 85 years old trying to carjack him. I mean, he was a serious man's man. He was. This man, though, when you're talking about grandma and when you're talking about prayer, he starts weeping and he says, I opened up grandma's Bible the other day and out of it fell one of the leaflets that she had from church years ago. And it had names of all the people in church she was praying for. Grandma loved to pray for people. And in fact, I'll give you a tearjerker here. Uh, just a few days ago, Carrie and I were with uh, Grandma. And Carrie was saying something like, Grandma, I just love that you always prayed for us. And we had been praying for her. And somewhere along the way, I said, Grandma, would you bless us with a prayer? You think you could do that? Carrie, I look over at Carrie, and she's weeping about that time. So Grandma closes her little eyes, and you see her little lips moving, but nothing coming out. And, I, and I'm like, Grandma, are you praying for us? <laughs> so she was praying for us quietly, you know. We, we, nowadays, we, I pray loud, you know. I'm a loud prayer. But there's Grandma just closing her little eyes and praying for us. Love isn't boastful. Love isn't boastful. For such a confident, competent man, I never heard Grandpa boast about himself. I would, however, hear him boast about others. And, they, and I'm sort of jumping ahead because I'm, I was going to talk about this in the communication part too, but it's hard to talk about love without talking about communication. Never heard them talking bad about others. Grandpa told lots of stories. He was like this old village troubadour, you know. He'd sit around and teach story after story after story. But it was always boasting or telling, you know, things of others or things that they'd done. But he always would talk, you know, positively of other people. And I really appreciated that about him. Grandma the same way, by the way. I, I never personally heard Grandma ever say negative things or gossip about other people. Never, ever did I hear that. It's not envious, it's not boastful, it's not conceited. It doesn't act improperly. I never saw, I don't know about you all, but sometimes in your anger, do you ever act improperly to your husband or wife? 
I was just doing some of that yesterday. Darn the luck. You ever act improperly toward the one you're supposed to have unity with? In fact, a lot of times we maybe get caught acting really kind and this and that to our neighbor or to people who don't know us very well, but those that we love the most that we should be acting the most properly toward, maybe sometimes they're the ones we get the most frustrated with and speak out of frustration and anger. I just never saw Grandma and Grandpa do that. Did you, Scott? Just never. They just didn't do that. They didn't go there. They didn't hit below the belt. If you're communicating today, communicate. Air your frustration, but don't hit below the belt. Don't insult. Don't, just don't do that. It's not proper, is it? I really could go on and on, but if I keep going on just love, I'll never get to the rest of the sermon. Maybe I'll see if there's just one or two more things that jump into mind here. Not selfish, nope. Not provoked. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Gosh, that's a big one. Do you have this mental notepad in your head? And you have maybe three or four or five records of wrongs. And it's almost like this nasty tape recorder that gets played when an argument happens, and then you're tired or you're angry or whatever, or hungry in my case, and then you start to argue, then you hit the old rewind button. Oh, here's argument number one, number two, number three. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. I don't think grandma and grandpa that I know of ever kept a record of wrongs against one another. I just don't think they did. Are any of you all guilty of that? I wouldn't be talking about it if I weren't, so it's just kind of a given that I'm accepting responsibility for that. Finds no joy in unrighteousness, rejoices in truth, bears up all things, believes in all... Bears up all things. Let's go there a second. Grandpa, again, old school, hard-working dude. I remember one time we were out. We were having a, a nice meal together. Grandpa made the comment... Oh, I know what it was. We had taken Grandpa, Carrie had scheduled this night out with Grandpa, and we had taken him down, and he did a test drive on a Tesla electric car. Can you believe that? Well, about that time, there was a horse-drawn, you know, down on the plaza, they have those horse-drawn carriages come by. There was a horse-drawn carriage coming by, and Grandpa goes, hup, hup, that's more my speed over there, as he's climbing in the Tesla. Well, then we get done with that, and later on, I can't remember, we were having coffee or ice cream. I don't remember where we were, honestly. Carrie planned this off. We did like six different things one night. And the guy at 91 had the stamina to be out with us for like six hours. Anyway, you know what Grandpa says? The good old days really weren't so good. He was talking about how much harder things were back then. How much harder it was to find a job. How much harder it was to put food on your family's table. He would talk about, they had this truck that had this trouble with their tires and it'd, it'd break down. They'd get a flat and they'd patch it up and just keep on driving, you know. And they'd, it'd break down, they'd patch it, they'd keep on driving. But love bears all things. 
bears all things. This is sort of a comment for those of you who aren't married yet. If you're engaged or you're dating or whatever. If you really want to know what that person is like, see how they react when things aren't going so well. That's when you know what you're betrothed. That's, that's when we, we really kind of show who we are when things aren't going so well. That's when the worst in us, you know, we get squeezed and like a grape, that bitter, if it's a bad grape, the bitter juice comes out. You ever notice that? You can squeeze on somebody, whether it's an employee or whatever. You can squeeze on your, your uh, potential fiancé and see what kind of juice comes flowing out of that grape. Is it bitter juice or is it sweet? Take that one to the bank because that's true. So it bears up. Does that speak to you? Does that challenge you? Because honestly, because we're all sinners, because we all fall short of God's glory, we all, the reality is at times we all have bitter juice come out of us when we get squeezed, don't we? But some worse than others, that's for sure. So, right love produces love, contentment, admiration, friendship, acceptance regardless of performance. Let me tell you something. Grandpa was a hard worker. He, I remember at one time he was building houses at Berry Heights, and he was also working for Santa Fe Railroad at the same time. But that doesn't mean they didn't always struggle. Back in those days... You struggled. Grandma said that when we moved them into their last house in Platte City, she kind of smirked and she said, you know, this is the only house we'll ever live in that Grandpa didn't build with his own hands. All six or seven previous homes that they lived in, Grandpa built himself. Kind of cool, isn't it? There was a story, and I'll, again, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I want to talk about you know, one of the, the things that causes tension on our marriages, which is financial burden. Sometimes we put financial burden on ourselves. Sometimes we're met with financial burden because we lose a job, our health issues, whatever. But a lot of times, and I would say more common than not in a nation as blessed as we are, most of you know, I travel to Mexico about every other week. I see there's, you know, the economic situation there is, so much different than a prosperous nation like ours. I mean, you really have to try hard not to find a job in this country. You really do. There's a lot of work available at some level. Wasn't so back then. In fact, one of Carrie and Scott's cousins just mentioned to us why the Martin clan had... Uh, Grandpa Martin had either six or seven siblings. And out of that, they had over 40 children. So there were 40 first cousins down there roaming around South Missouri. But a, a, a group of them migrated up here to Kansas City a long time ago to find work. But imagine, imagine if grandma's love for grandpa would have been performance-based and she would have said, well, you're not giving me a six-figure income and a 4,000-square-foot home and a brand-new car every four or five years 
and I don't get to go out to movies and we don't get to go to ball games and we don't get to go to movies and all this. So I don't think, that's, that's, see, that's performance-based. You see that? Love bears up all things, good and bad. Grandpa was a hard worker, but it doesn't always mean that economically they had it easy, did they, Scott? Totally different time. Edifying communication, right sense of priority, modeling the right example to their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. That is what I would summarize as kind of a list of fruit produced out of their fulfillment of what I would recognize as biblical love. Number two, wisdom. In James 3.17, it says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest, check this out, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I love that about grandma and grandpa. They were peaceful folk. And even though they had struggles and they worked hard and they overcame a lot, they were also very peaceful. They had a peaceful home. They had a peaceful existence. They were peaceful to one another. They didn't have all these vain, you know, grandpa, for one of the men I admire most on this earth, was really a very simple, humble man. He didn't have all these vain imaginations about making a name for himself. He didn't have all these vain imaginations about all this money he was gonna make, or he didn't, he didn't have vain imaginations. He was a very humble man, yet he impacted many, many people. You know, Grandma and Grandpa were both teachers in their own right, even though Grandpa didn't have a high school education. He didn't complete high school, right? What about Grandma? Neither one of them completed high school, but they were wise, and they were teachers. You know, Grandma, for years, taught the kids Bible school at the church, taught out of the Bible for years. I remember a few weeks back, we were with Grandma. I was reading the Bible to her. I said, Grandma, did you always believe in the Bible? And she nodded my whole life. I said, wow. I said, you know, Grandma, I didn't really believe in the Bible until I gave my life to Jesus when I was 16. But here's this woman who, had, who believed she had faith ever since she was a little girl. And the fruit that comes out of that let me share something with you. This is a, a scripture I shared, actually Grandpa's funeral. An excellent wife who can find. She is more precious than jewels. In Proverbs 12, 4, it says, an excellent wife is a crown to her husband. You get that? 
I didn't really get that until the other day, and I was thinking about grandma and grandpa and the sustained life they had and the sustained health they had. You know, grandpa was literally, he had the, the blessing of Moses. If you read in Deuteronomy 34, 7, grandpa was strong all the days of his life. Up until the last two weeks of his life, he could drive, cut firewood, work. Up until the last two weeks of his life, and he was 91 years old. I believe he had the blessing of Moses. Read about it in Deuteronomy 34, 7, where it talks about Moses was not dim. Moses lived for 120 years. And he was vigorous and not dim in vision all the days of his life. Grandpa had that blessing. I think one of the reasons Grandpa had that blessing, one of them, not all, but one of them is because he wore this precious crown for 73 years. And her name was Georgia May. Isn't that amazing? This isn't just hyperbole or metaphor when the Bible talks about these things. Read it for yourself. Husbands, let your wives be your crown. Wives, be that crown for your husbands. I don't think we can measure the fruit that comes out of that. So, wisdom. Grandpa, I talked about grandma being a Sunday school teacher. Grandpa was a storyteller, and he was an amazing listener because he could remember and share with you the most amazing details. 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old stories, and he could tell you the details. He could tell you when and where he bought his first rifle, how much it cost, details. I'll get into this when I talk about communication, but they lived in the moment. They didn't have a lot of distractions in their communication and their love and their relation to one another, like we do, a lot of us. I'm not saying all of us. I'm sure there's a handful of you out there that still have that, but I think there's a lot of us that don't. Wisdom is pure peaceable, gentle, open to reason. A harvest of righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. So, I want to talk about independence versus interdependence. And I think, and I don't mean for this to be a touchy subject, but I think in today's society, it is. So, if, you, if it helps you, just think about the way things were, not the way things are. And let's go here. God's design for marriage is that husband and wife would mutually complete one another. We aren't the same. We just aren't. Despite modern society's attempts and social pressures attempts to say that we're the same, to say our roles and responsibilities are the same. It's just not fair, I think especially for women, frankly, but it's not biblical. It isn't. And if we can't be honest about that here in God's house of worship, 
Where can we be honest about that? God's design for marriage, I'm going to read this again, is that you mutually complete one another. If you don't believe me, mark this down. Genesis 2, read 18 through 25. It's very clear. Very, very clear. And by the way, if your marriage is struggling and the devil's whispering in your ear, I don't really need her or I don't really need him, I would argue that. I would argue that. But based on some conditions I want to talk about at the end of this sermon. First Corinthians eleven eleven. This is a really cool scripture. And this might be the first time you've heard it, or it might be the first time you've really contemplated it. First Corinthians eleven eleven says Nevertheless, in the Lord, women, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. We're not independent of one another. For as a woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. We know our biblical history that a, man, a woman was made from the rib of a man. But think about this. Not one man exists today that was not born of a woman. Every man that exists has a mama. Right? Worthy of admiration, respect. It's not Mother's Day, so I won't go back to last Sunday. Braid did a great job in that sermon. But we could go there. The power of motherhood and women. Just read about it in Proverbs 31, please. Grandma and Grandpa understood their roles in marriage, but you know what? They didn't take themselves too seriously about it either. They were a very traditional family. Grandpa provided. Mother was the homemaker. Grandma was the homemaker. But you'd see Grandpa over there doing dishes. Lots of other things that people back then especially would have considered domestic chores. See, Grandpa wasn't hung up in his role, and neither was Grandma. They knew their roles, but they weren't hung up about it. Is that right? Grandpa cherished Grandma for her feminine qualities. And Grandma respected Grandpa for his masculine qualities. She was really proud that day she was telling me that he'd built those houses with their hands. You know, when they first moved to Kansas City, they were down in that valley across from, uh, you turn to go to Parkville there. You ever drive across from there and see this big, beautiful river valley on the other side of I-29 that exists over there? Grandpa bought this old barber shop, converted it into a home, and hand dug a well there for the family. Until they did that, he and all the neighbors would send their boys down to that stream there, that beautiful stream, and they, that's where they'd get their water. Grandpa 
understood his role to provide, to protect, to initiate spiritual leadership in his home. I think more so through example, I would say grandma in their case was probably a little more vocal there. Grandma managed the affairs of the household. She nurtured her sons. She supported her men. She loved them. She taught them. In 1 Corinthians it says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. You see, there is always this biblical understanding of authority. And despite our frustrations to, to, to try to defy authority, which I think it's kind of in our nature, Christ answered to God the Father, answers to God the Father. The husband answers to Christ, and the wife answers to the husband. That's the way the Bible, that's the way the Lord set it up. You can disagree with me. And I'm going to stop there because I have a lot, I have a few more things I want to talk about to wrap this up. There's an accountability. Understanding who has authority is critical to understanding who has responsibility. Authority and leadership go hand in hand with responsibility and burden. I'm going to repeat that. Authority and leadership go hand in hand with responsibility and burden. That's why it's so easy to be an armchair quarterback, you guys. You can make observations, you can criticize others without the burden of what comes from having to play the position. I want to make a quick mention here because I think, I don't like, I, I feel like there's this purveying thing in our society that downplays the role of, of motherhood and downplays the role of a woman who chooses to stay at home and, and manage the affairs of the household and not be out providing for the family as well. This is a choice, by the way. I don't think this, it, it's not a, this is a sin and that's not a sin. It's not a one way or the other kind of thing. It's just not. But I just have a quick comment. If you think about stress and anxiety and all these things that we bring upon ourselves, uh, I had this little chart. Anxiety, side effects of anxiety, panic attacks, a sense of doom, depression, headaches, irritability, breathing problems, heart problems, loss of libido, upset stomach, extreme fatigue in your muscles and joints, muscle aches and pains, increased blood pressure, all those are a byproduct of stress and anxiety. And I'm going to leave this sermon up to Dan, but we put a lot of undue financial pressure on ourselves. We really do. By the way we spend our money. Grandma and Grandpa, you know, Grandpa always had a nice truck, but he never paid for one. He always paid for it outright, didn't he, Scott? Grandpa never borrowed money to buy his trucks. I said this earlier, I'll say it again. 
I was hearing a story from my father-in-law when grandpa, when they were living in one home, but grandpa was trying to build a nicer home. Every paycheck, he would take some money out of that paycheck. He'd go to the hardware store and he'd buy four or five boards, whatever he could afford, come back and build them onto the house. And he would build as he went because he didn't live above his means. How much pressure and stress do we put, especially on women? Because just think about this. Just because a woman works does not take away her role as being mom, does it? And the responsibilities that come with nurturing and raising young children more than not do fall on mom than they do men. We, guys, you just got to admit that. It's true. So think about then the effects of the health it has on your wife and on your children's mother if she has all the stress to keep the house the way it is and meals and kids and on top of that's working a full-time job. Something's got to give. And a lot of times what gives is the family and the household. And that's why I had to talk about this because, again, I'm talking about observations I have from this old school family, not just about marriage, but about family life. So I had to go there. I'm wrapping this up. Communication. I've already talked about that, so I'm just going to share a scripture or two. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. In other words, what the, this, I, I didn't want to put the, the entire context there because it's just too much. But you can read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Basically, in the church, in the body of Christ, we strive not to be contentious with one another. Husbands and wives, brothers and sisters in the church, at work. But are we winning that battle? Do we contend with one another too much? Are we contentious at home? 1 Peter 3.10, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You'll find other scriptures that say the Lord doesn't hear the prayers of the unrighteous. I believe in the case of grandma and grandpa that the struggles they faced in life actually pulled them together as a couple. I feel like nowadays a lot of us allow the struggles in life to push us apart. I already mentioned this, but I believe grandma and grandpa had such amazing esteem for one another. And I'll go here one, I, I want to say a few things about society and culture, is that okay? We, if we spend too much time in Facebook and social media where everybody lies about themselves anyway, you're going to get this false impression of other people, you know? Grandma esteemed grandpa, but it wasn't like she was out surfing the internet every week comparing him to 20 other guys either. 
Are you doing that? Even if you don't think you are. Oh my gosh. Look at, look at this picture of this family vacationing in Hawaii. Man. I mean, don't, doesn't everybody just love to show off their lives to everybody else? You don't see them posting the bad stuff. This whole comparison thing, it's just not so good. Grandma and Grandpa lived in the moment. Again, I, 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 and I'm, by the way, I'm really guilty of this. I love my family. I cherish my family. But I run a bit of a distracting business. And it's not easy being a bivocational pastor either. And I sound like I'm making excuses for myself, don't I? I'm not as good at living in the moment as I want to be. That old man, that wonderful old patriarch of our family remembers stories from 50 years ago better than I do from five. Fixing the problems. Let's wrap this up. Okay? First of all, I have a homework assignment for any young soon-to-be-marrieds. And whether you're, you may not even be engaged, but you might be thinking about it down the road. Or, I know some engaged in here. Let me get some eye contact going. Where'd they go? Okay, anyway. You may be engaged or you may be marrying in the next four or five years. Here's a homework assignment, okay? This is a weekend homework assignment. I want you to take at least two days to do it. And it's worth the effort. It is worth the effort. Take your Bible. Take your time. Close, shut the door. Get, be by yourself for a couple days. Study Psalms and Proverbs for a day and pray. And then I want you to ask yourself the following questions and make a few notes. And here they are. Are you right with God? Are you right with God? Is your life right with God? Number two, I want you to write down ten reasons why you think your fiancé is the person you should marry. Or the per if you're dating someone seriously, maybe you haven't talked about marriage yet, but you're dating seriously, write down five or ten reasons why that person is the right one for you to marry one day. If your head's going in that direction. And more importantly, your heart. Most of the time, young people get their heart ahead of their head. Even though the Bible says to guard your heart, for from within it flow the wellsprings of life. Ten reasons you think this is the right person for you to marry. And here's the last one. Ten reasons why you think it's the right time for you to marry. Why now? Why now? Okay, now for the rest of us who are married. Perhaps you don't think so highly of yourself or your spouse today, like Georgia May thought of Melvin or Melvin thought of Georgia May. Most likely, most of us don't because they thought real highly of one another. They really did. Much higher of one another than they did of themselves, by the way. Humility is an amazing thing. <clears throat> Perhaps right now you're not living a life worthy of being held in high esteem. 
Perhaps you don't deserve for your wife to hold you in the same esteem that Georgia May held Melvin today. Or vice versa. Perhaps, women, you're not living a life worthy of such esteem. It's not too late. Do something about it. Like good old Nike said, just do it. Lamentations 3.22, I'll read this again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies come, never come to an end. What does that mean? It's not too right for us to get on the right path and be a better husband or better wife or better mom or better dad. My father-in-law mentioned this at the burial ceremony. I'm going to tell this. Faith. Underlying all of this message was one word, and that's faith. Get on the same page with your husband or wife. One thing, Gary, my father-in-law talked about that one thing seen from City Slickers. Remember when old Jack Plans held up his finger and said, you got to get that one thing. Remember that? Luke 1, 74 through 75 says, serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. That's the one thing. That's the secret mystery of life. Glorify God with your life. Zechariah's prophecy talked about that. I'll, I, I will just read the very end. Because of the tender mercy of God, give light to those who sit in darkness. This is a message for unbelievers. And in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Grandma and Grandpa had so much peace in their lives because Jesus was their Lord. Understand the threats of marital companionship and love. Genesis chapter 3 talks about shame, guilt, fear, blame shifting. Who here is good at shifting the blame? I've been guilty of that a time or two. Battle for control, not understanding our roles. Satan's power against our marriage, Ephesians 6, 12. Pride, Isaiah 14. There are lots of others. There's just a few I wanted to mention that are threats of our marital companionship and threats of our love. So here's a critical thing, very critical. I'm going to wrap up with this, Okay. Strengthen your inner person. Marriage is not a 50-50 thing like we try to see it. You come halfway, I'll come halfway, we'll meet in the middle, and we'll live this wonderful life. It's just not that way. It's 100%. You give 100%, and they give 100%. Grandma was always given 100% to Grandpa, and Grandpa definitely always given 100% to Grandma. Strengthen your inner person. How do you do that? Mark this in your Bibles. It's a great scripture. And I think it's one we often overlook. It's Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. 
according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be, here it is, strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I'm going to read that again. It's kind of deep. You may be strengthened with power through the spirit of the Lord in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with a fullness of God. The reason they had a 73-year marriage that was awesome, mainly, is because they were filled with the fullness of God. Thank you. One more thing. Last week... Went down to prepare the sermon and another sermon. And while I was at the International House of Prayer, which is half day and night prayer, the worship leader came forward and said, I want anybody who needs prayer for healing to stand up in the room. And about 10 or 12 people stood up. And then he said, if you are standing next to someone who stood up, please go and pray for them. So this young lady stood up close to us and myself and two other people came over to her to pray. And we said, how can we pray for you? And she said, I have a lot of pain in my back. And we started to pray. But just like Zechariah, the Holy Spirit gave Zechariah his prophecy about his son. Do you know the Holy Spirit can give you things today? Right when we started to pray, I stopped and I go, wait a second. Is there an underlying issue causing this pain in your back that we should be praying for? And she started to cry. She said, yes. And she was a young woman, 22, 23. I've been diagnosed with scoliosis. So, instead of just praying for pain in her back, because I'm one who believes in praying specifically, we start praying for the scoliosis. Then went back, sat down some more, reading the Bible some more, working on my sermon some more, then about 30, 45 minutes later, got up to leave and saw her standing at the door. And I said, young lady, what's your name? And she told me. I said, how's your back? She said, the pain's completely gone. If you want prayer today, come up for prayer. We would love to pray for you. And you can pray for us too. So please, have faith. Come forward. As, as, the, as the worship team comes up and closes, I'm going to invite you to just come up. Elders, I want to ask you to come up. Pastors, elders, come up and be, be here ready to pray for people who might want some prayer, whether that's prayer for healing, prayer for repentance, prayer for your marriage, prayer because uh, you want to give your life to Jesus. Whatever kind of prayer you want, God's got it for us. Amen? Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.